Hello, I'm Dave Epstein, and this is Growing Wisdom. Back in 1986, when I graduated from college, I got a car. It was a Toyota Corolla, and I actually, I loved that car. And one of the things I used to do is wash it a lot. I would clean it all the time. I kept it super clean. I would vacuum it. I covered it with plastic inside so it didn't get ruined, and I also washed the outside. And one of the things I used to hate about having to clean was get the bugs off the front of the car. And there was a lot of them. And you might remember this, depending on how old you are, if you're driving around, especially obviously spring, summer, and fall, you'd find the front of your car where the grill is having a ton of insects. So I used to buy this stuff like bug off or something, came in a can, you'd open it up and take a little cloth and put it on and it would loosen the bugs and you'd get rid of them. And it took a while. It also was used on the windshield to do the same thing because you drive, and I drove at the time, uh, you know, a year later, I was working up in Burlington, Vermont, and I would drive often from Burlington back down to Portland, and my car would be covered with insects. No more. You drive around now, I can literally go an entire summer without really having to worry about insects on my windshield. And there, there's a lot out there about what's going on. And you'll find all sorts of things if you look at the internet. You'll find studies that will talk about the insect decline. Some studies say declining terrestrial insects declining about 9% a year, whereas freshwater insects are actually growing. And that makes some sense because we've cleaned up our waterways over the past 30 years. So it would seem that if we are going to clean up the waterways that we'd have better diversity in the waterways, such as things like insects. But the land insects are declining. And, you know, you'll also find people that say, oh, well, this example you're giving, David, with your car, it's not valid because cars are more aerodynamic now. And if you think about it, yes, some cars may be more aerodynamic, but a lot of cars aren't. I mean, I drive a Baja, and that is not an aerodynamic car by any means. And I still don't have the insects. Uh, you think about a Land Rover. That is not aerodynamic. And there's reports out there of scientists who drive Land Rovers that say, hey, wait a second, there's just not a lot of insects on my Land Rover. Uh, there's research that talks about some of the chemicals we're using, obviously, and it's probably a combination of a bunch of things as to why this is occurring. And we still need a lot of research. We really hadn't focused on research back in the 70s and the 80s on, on insects. We were thinking of insects as just you know, some scientists were, but a lot of scientists were just thinking, hey, science, scientists say it's insects. It's a mass of insects. We weren't thinking about the biodiversity of insects. That word biodiversity really wasn't used uh, in the way it's used today by so many people. We, most of us understand the biodiversity of things. You know, you think about the biodiversity of something like hoverflies. There's literally millions of varieties of hoverflies, more than mammals. There's Lots of varieties of things like bees, butterflies, moths, uh, and, and all those things are on the decline. I suspect that some of it is because of the way that we take and manage our land. So if you think about vast swaths, for example, of the Midwest, where they're only growing corn or wheat, that's not very diverse. And so insects which need some sort of plant diversity are not going to colonize there. So that's going to wipe out a bunch of insects. And then, of course, there's the chemicals we use. And we use a lot of chemicals. We use chemicals all over the place. And those chemicals harm insects. Something like uh, some of the chemicals that we use that you actually put in the soil and it gets pulled up into a plant and then 
bugs come and eat the plant or start munching on the plant in some way, and then they end up dying. And those, uh, those chemicals are killing insects, and they're also going to kill good insects and bad insects. So uh, these chemicals that we're using can be quite harmful, and it kind of freaks me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I mean, think about something else like just simply fireflies. Uh, fireflies used to be around. I used to catch them in jars. I think about myself catching a poor firefly in a jar, but that's, that's a kid doing that. And now I just don't even see them. You don't see those uh, same fireflies out there during the course of the summer. It just doesn't exist. And it really is, in a way, sad, but it's also scary because these insects, which are so vulnerable to changes uh, of our landscape, of our atmosphere, are part of the food chain. And if they start to decline or continue to decline at a rate that starts to harm other things up the food chain, you know, they sit at the base of the food web. So as they go down, we're going to start losing things like birds and bats and spiders and other predators. And then subsequently, you lose things that are predators for them. Insects do a lot of other things that we don't even sometimes think about. Obviously, they pollinate plants, but they also aerate the soil. There's insects down there that go into the soil and they create little tunnels and that's helping our soil. You lose that, you lose the ability of certain plants to thrive in that soil that the insects are helping. So what, what can we do? Well, one of the things that I've done over the past decade, decade and a half at this point, is I've really stopped using a lot of chemicals in my yard as much as possible. I'm not going to sit here and preach you can never use another chemical on your yard. I have used synthetic chemicals on my yard at times when I have a population of something that just needs to be taken care of. It might be something that uh, I just can't get rid of without using a chemical. So I, I have used them, but very, very sparingly. And in my garden, and those of you that you know either know me or have listened to even a couple of these podcasts know that I'm a huge gardener and especially a vegetable gardener. And I've been really careful about removing some of these harsher synthetic chemicals out of my arsenal to kind of keep the garden going. And one of the things I've noticed is the longer I've done this and the more I've done this, the plants just are healthier. So it's not just the fact that it's going to benefit the insects. It's going to keep your plants healthier as well by creating a more diverse mini ecosystem that you're not going to create an explosion of certain insects or problems because you've used these chemicals. And if you think about the, the population of insects out there, they kind of try to balance each other out a little bit. So you'll have some insects which will, uh, you know, grow like, let's just take aphids. And the aphids you might not want on your roses or you might not want them on your fava beans. But all of a sudden you have ladybugs and the ladybugs love the aphids, so they'll come along and they'll eat them. Well, if you spray willy-nilly chemicals all over everything, you're going to kill the aphids, and you will. There's no doubt about it. But you're also going to kill any other beneficial insect that comes along to feed on the not-so-beneficial insects. So if you have a garden, one of the things I always recommend is to kind of do your research as to what particular insect problem you have and how you can combat it in a way that is going to be minimally invasive to other things. So there's certain traps that are available out there now which will only target one type of insect. 
Uh, you can also grow plants so that you have so many that if you have the insects come along and do their thing, that if you lose a few, it's not such a catastrophe. So I grow an abundance of things like spinach and lettuce and kales, and, and those can be susceptible to some insects. But because I grow so much, and, and I have the luxury of having a lot of containers and space for containers and gardening in the ground, so I can lose some of that and still have enough for me. So that's another way in which I've kind of changed the way I've gardened. I haven't, uh, or I, I should say, I've thought about the fact that I'm okay letting some of this go to insects. I'm okay if that happens and if every plant doesn't look perfect, and if I have to have a few holes in some leaves. Now, sometimes it gets out of control, and I do have to go around and start using something. So I try to use things that are organic. And remember, even things that are organic can still kill beneficial insects. So the word organic doesn't necessarily mean great or good or it's perfect, because it's not. Um, you look at something like spinosad, which is an organic-approved a thing that you can use, should find a better word for that, but it's a, it's a great product. I do use it. I try to use it sparingly. It takes care of uh, cabbage moths, for example, which can be a real problem, but if you spray it, uh, it can also hurt other things, especially when it's wet, like bees, and it can also hurt other caterpillars of beneficial insects. For example, if I were to spray uh, spinosad all over my milkweed, which I grow for the monarchs, then I'm going to end up killing the monarch butterflies, or I'll kill the larvae anyway, and I don't want to do that. So you want to think about that. But the point here is that insects are declining. We can, in our own communities, try to use fewer chemicals than we typically might use, than you might typically use. And some of you listening to this probably say, hey, David, you're using too many as you're using. And that may be the case, and I try to continue to limit them. Uh, but it's trying to be aware of what we're doing, trying to leave some uh, tall grasses, for example, in my backyard so that certain insects that like that habitat have that habitat. Uh, the better habitats we have uh, for these insects, the more they'll be able to thrive. I suspect also there's probably some climate change uh, affecting the insects as well, things that we might not realize that there's subtle changes that go on. Uh, it may be that you know, typical cold that isn't occurring is affecting certain insects or it's getting too warm for certain insects, too humid. Maybe at night it's getting too warm for certain insects. And research will need to be done into exactly how the changing climate is affecting different populations of insects. Also, just light pollution alone. I mean, we know that fireflies, for example, back to that, uh, they're using the light to mate. And if you have all sorts of light around, then it can confuse them. It may be more difficult for them to mate. And now you don't have the population of fireflies that you've had. And, and that's definitely the case. I mean, there's just reports of it all over North America and Europe about fireflies just not being there. I mean, there's probably kids, I know this for a fact, there's kids that just don't even know what a firefly is because of A, where they grow up, or B, the fact, even if they grown up in an area like where I grew up outside of Portland, that uh, they just don't exist anymore. So think about, you know, think about it, notice it. It's something that I definitely notice. It's something that I'm aware of. It, it's, uh, it's peculiar to me. I put on the front light and I just don't see that swarm of insects in there anymore. And if you're of a certain age, you probably have noticed the decline. And if you haven't noticed the decline, if you're younger and you think, well, this is normal, it's not. Uh, it's not what we used to observe. 
uh, when those of us in our you know 40s, 50s, and beyond were uh, were kids. It just there was just a lot more insects. So use fewer chemicals. Uh, try to create some habitat for the insects. Uh, do research on it. Get involved with your communities if there's. Uh, an opportunity to limit insect, to, to limit, I should say, chemicals. If there's an opportunity to limit chemicals, uh, do that, and, and hopefully that helps. I hope you found this podcast interesting. If you're, there's a podcast topic you'd like me to talk about or do some research on, I'd love to hear from you at dave at growingwisdom.com. And uh, you can always check out my latest edition of Weather Wisdom, where I do provide a daily weather forecast for much of southern New England.